Hello and welcome to Indie Sports Now with Zach Shankerman, Mason Roach, and Ian Kennedy. Today we're going to discuss the latest with IU, Purdue, the Colts, and the Pacers. Thanks and welcome to the show. guys welcome back to the indie sports now podcast with zach shankerman and then ivy and kennedy with me as well and then uh mason could not be here today because he is sick but with all that being said we have great news to talk about with the colts armani watts watts was just signed ian what do you think about it i like it it's a good quality depth piece i know everyone someone including myself we're really hoping on tyron matthew but a solid player that we're getting if you really look deep into it this is a very skilled player that can help us out in a number of different ways yeah i agree i think um i think he's kind of just he was signed to be a replacement for george odom on special teams um yeah i'll pull up his stats here really quick um let's see so i mean you look at him, I mean, he's got what it says, played in 53 career games with the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, total 32 tackles, two sacks, couple tackles for loss, 26 special team stops. Another thing that jumps out is seven tackles in the Chiefs' Super Bowl win, including yeah. four special team stops. So it shows that though he may not be a starter, he's still making a difference in these yeah. big games. Yeah. And I mean, he's a Super Bowl champion. I mean, he may not be the sole reason they won, but he's a Super Bowl champion. That's worth something. I think it's definitely worth something. Um, you know, he's not, you're not going to ask him to cover. I don't think his, when I looked up his past coverage grades, it wasn't, it wasn't great, but I think if he has to come in as a run defender type, like, come like in the box kind of safety. Um, I think he's going to be a guy that can be solid. He's, he might not be great, but you're signing him to be a special teams player, essentially, in my opinion. Yeah, and also from what I've seen, I mean, Gus Bradley, I don't know how often he'll use it here in Indy, but he loves these three safety sets crowding the box. So I think he'll definitely see – I want to say a significant amount of playing time, maybe a little bit of a bump from what he got in Kansas city. So I think this is definitely a guy that can help us stay competitive and also help win us games. For sure. And I think I talked about in the last episode, like when it comes to, you know, when it comes to playoff time or when you, Kari Wilson, um, Julian Blackman have been hurt before. It could happen again. And it's nice to not have to rely on Andrew Sandeo. And then the next guy we're going to talk about, um, the next guy we're going to talk about is uh, the next signing they made was really, really good. I'm really excited about that one. But it's nice to have a fourth safety who you're like, okay, if he has to come in, we're not going to be amazing with him, but we'll survive. We'll make it through the game. So I'm really excited about that one. 
and I think it was a great signing. And going to transition now to Rodney McLeod, uh, who we just signed on Friday. Has it been officially announced by the Colts? But Ian Rappaport and many others have uh, reported that Rodney McLeod is coming to Indianapolis, and I'm I'm really excited. Ian, what do you think of Rodney McLeod and that signing? Absolutely. I've mentioned this before. Uh, when you think of Rodney McLeod, the distinctive play that stands out is that Super Bowl third and two on like, I want to say it was the six or seven yard line. Yeah. Sweep to Brandon Cooks, tries to hurdle him, and he just catches him midair, keeps him short of the first down marker, and held him to a field goal, which in that Super Bowl was probably big at that moment of the game. Start of the second quarter. I know it's early, but that's when the Patriots get you. They yeah. blow it you is. out early. Every And especially against a team like the Patriots in that game, every drive matters. And you, when you make a big stop on third down, that's, that's a kind of a tone setter for a team. I mean, I, just talking about that play there, but – I mean, looking at it from like the macro view, not even just looking at it from like um, just one play. I mean, this guy's really good. Like, I'm going to speak to his like statistics a little bit. So he spent six years with the Philadelphia Eagles and he amassed 347 tackles, 34 pass breakups, 11 interceptions, four forced fumbles, excuse me three fumble recoveries, including one for a touchdown and two sacks. And he also uh, was a leader in the locker room and the community when he won the 2021 NFL Allen Page Community Award for his work in the community. Um, He's someone who's known to be a guy who's led by example. And I think you need that in the locker room. I think someone someone tweeted this the other day. Uh, I can't can't quite remember who tweeted, but someone said, you know, Mike Mitchell is now in the uh, defensive back stream for the Colts. And they said, Mike Mitchell signed Mike Mitchell, like Rodney McLeod's like the Mike Mitchell, that signing reminds me a lot of the Mike Mitchell signing back when we signed him. I think he's going to help the young safeties elevate. I think he's a guy that can come in and be a third safety for the Colts and play at both free and strong safety. I actually think like, in, in terms of that position for the future, I think to the terms free and strong safety are going to kind of get eliminated over time. It just as we kind of change into this new era of football, but uh, Rodney can play both spots and he's a really good player. He, he can, he can run the alley, like, you know, and run defense. He, he makes play. He's made his money in coverage. Like he's a really good coverage safety. Um, the only concern I think he, had an injury in 2020. Yeah, yeah, I believe he had an ACL injury, but yeah, from the but looks of it, back. last last season he put up pretty decent stats, yeah. so it seems like he's gotten over that pretty well. And the one stat I found, and shout out to the account that posted this, Eagles Nation, PHL Eagles Nation on Twitter, in 2020, so obviously this could have changed, but at the time, Rodney McLeod had the second lowest passer rating allowed in the NFL among safeties at 53.7. Now, 
I know, and I mentioned it earlier, we all want Tyron Matthew. It's looking like we may not end up getting him, but if you think about that tweet right there, the only person probably ahead of Rodney McLeod was Tyron Matthew. So we're getting somebody that can do the things he can do and just make an overall difference in the secondary of our defense. Yeah, and shout out to Destin Adams. He said he was basically the second best safety on the market. I mean, he's basically a not that the Colts need to be stingy or anything, but he basically is a cheaper tire on Matthew. I mean, that's the kind of player you're getting. Now, if you combine this, if you think about it, Matthew would have cost quite a bit of money. Um, Cloud's probably a little cheaper. And then Matthew's like, I think he's 33. I I don't want to misspeak on that, but he's in his 30s and McLeod's in his 30s. So you don't want to overspend on a guy like that, I don't think, because then you you get into the worry of like, well, when's he going to decline, right? It's it's eventually hits, right? So I think McLeod was perfect in that aspect because he was a little cheaper, which also allows them like, they could get a solid veteran corner like Steven Nelson. They could grab another Eagle secondary player corner um, who's really good in zone, was drafted by Chris Ballard in the Kansas City Chiefs back in 2015, I believe. Um, I, I think you go sign him and Rodney McLeod, and that would cost you the same as Tyron Matthew. Absolutely. And to your point on age, I mean, McLeod only has two years on – Tyron Matthew. Matthew's 29. Yeah. About to be 30 in May. And next week, I think. <laughs> and McLeod's 31. So age, you're getting about the same guy. Yeah. I just think that big picture, like the Colts are the Colts are and the, and the other thing about Rowdy McLeod, maybe Tyron Matthew wasn't willing to. I don't know this for a fact, but maybe he wasn't willing to play the kind of role that Gus Bradley and the Colts wanted him to play, to be that third safety. Now, I could be completely off on that, but um, maybe he wasn't willing to take a step back a little bit. And I think Rodney McLeod might have been, and he might have been willing to be that that leader and that mentor for uh, those younger safeties. And he also gives you the, the other thing about like I like about Rodney McLeod is Tyron Matthews, 29, right? So he's 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 at a point in his career where he's this is probably his last big contract and Rodney McLeod's coming off an injury I mean he started 13 games last year played pretty well but it was pretty it it came pretty clear that like he was gonna have to take a step back eventually because that decline did start to hit just a tit like just a tad but I mean you get a guy like that like it's it's one of those things where it's like um, you know, you he you can sign him for one or two years versus Matthew, where it's probably going to be like three or four. You know, um, it's just a shorter term commitment, and given the Colts' timeline, I think it probably fits better. Um, when you think about that, and they could go draft a safety maybe this year on day three, or they could wait till next year and get one on day two. Absolutely, and to your point with drafting a safety, I mean. It's just like last episode I brought up when we were talking about receivers. It's a good problem to have to have a lot of safeties. 
Because if you think about it, no one really gets beat up. One game, you can start Curry Willis and Blackman. And then just to switch it up, next game, you can start Armani Watts and Rodney McLeod with the other two coming off the bench. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you you have flexibility that you can play around, see who matches well together, and have a starting two and backup two and just rotating in and out. Yeah, I, I will say that. I hope Armani Watts doesn't have to start with um, Rodney McLeod. I truly hope he's just a special teams guy. Right. I, I, I he, just use that as an example. But yeah, it, I, I feel like Armani can – Mold in that he can be a spot starter, which is right. fine. Which yeah. is fine. That that's all I was saying is that we've yeah. got the depth that if someone needs a break, not not for injury reasons, but if they just need right. a breather and just come off the bench right. for a game right. or two, that's a way that you can use Armani Watts and a Rodney McLeod. And something I was thinking about, like look at the not even just players, but coaches too. I mean, think about the guy, the type of when, when Jim Irsay talks about all chips in and he kind of clarified that it was about a commitment to winning and not necessarily like the, the financial piece. Look at the guys he's brought in. Rodney McLeod, Super Bowl champion. Armani Watts, Super Bowl champion. Uh, Chris Ballard and Frank Reich brought in John Fox, who's been to a couple Super Bowls. Yeah, that's one I don't think is getting – talked about enough i really really like that coaching hire yeah and that's that's good for your defensive backstream i'll i'll kind of go back to that one in a second but then gus bradley super bowl richard smith i think richard smith may have won a super bowl our linebackers coach but or he certainly uh i don't know if he went with went to the one with denver or atlanta i can't remember off the top of my head but he might have been there in atlanta with matt ryan but i can't remember for sure um but you've got you've got a defensive coaching staff with super bowl experience and then oh I kato june how did i forget this one matt ryan oh yeah the quarterback that you know i, I don't think that was blowing the lead wasn't his fault i wouldn't say because i mean I oh think no that defense uh, just got shredded but a lot of that guy. i would probably put on kyle shanahan yeah i mean i know he's done decent with the niners but I just think – I don't want to call it a fluke, but, I mean, he was a young coach. He needed that learning experience well, it was also to Dan get to where Quinn. he's at now. It was Dan Quinn and um, Kyle Shanahan because Kyle oh, Shanahan right, was right. offensive coordinator. But, yeah, I, I see your point. Um, again, like in the San Francisco game, you saw – you like against the Chiefs when Armani once won the Super Bowl, um, you saw the same thing, like – uh, the 49, I think the 49ers came out strong in the first half, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And then, and then they lead. fell flat in the second. Like when it counted, the coaching just kind of failed. So I think you can attribute a lot of that. There's a lot of patterns that seem to point to that being like a coaching thing and not necessarily like, hey, Jimmy G is not that great or hey, Matt Ryan's not that great. Now, Matt Ryan's a lot better than Jimmy G. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm not saying. Right. I'm not saying the two are similar, but um, I think Matt Ryan's a guy that not to go back to him too much, but I think he's a guy that we can go to like a, we can get far in the playoffs with him. So I'm really excited about that one. But yeah, to go back to the John Fox one, um, I mean, look at his experience with defensive backs, Like you have him and Ron Miles in that room. That's, that's a really strong defensive backs like room. When you think about the coaching and the experience in that room, I mean, 
you got a Super Bowl champ. You got Ron Miles. He coached the Jack Boys back in uh, uh, San Diego. They called themselves the Jack Boys. I think it's great. Um, <laughs> it was Casey Hayward and uh, what's his name? Jason Verrett, uh, I think. And those guys. Yeah, like, Jason Verrett. They had a great, um, they had a great run there. Um, they they called themselves the Jack Boys. I thought it was great, like they because they're like the jack of all trades. But, um, I mean, I I think the defensive backs are really good. I'm really excited. yeah. I, th- I think the brains of those guys combined, it's going to be a very fun defense to watch this year. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of masking, a couple tricks that John Fox and Gus Bradley have up their sleeves that they can use against these teams. I mean, just look at the coaching staff now. Frank Reich, Super Bowl. John Fox, Super Bowl. Gus Bradley, Super I mean, it's just – it's you're, – Reggie you're, Wayne, Colts legend, Super Bowl champ. Yeah, Super Bowl champion. And even think of Reggie Wayne. How dare me. On a Colts, Colts <laughs> Indianapolis-based podcast, I forgot about Reggie Wayne. I am a horrible person for that. But um, – <laughs> Reggie Wayne, I mean, there's another guy that's been to two Super Bowls and won one. I mean, yeah. I mean, a, a lot of coaching hires don't really get a lot of the conversation, but I mean, did Mike Mitchell st- go to a Super Bowl too? Mike Mitchell probably won a Super I'm pretty, Bowl. I, I think I think he went with Pittsburgh. I, I'm gonna look that up. I, I'm pretty positive Mike. I'm pretty Mitchell sure won. I'm pretty sure he won in Pittsburgh, but Either way, we're we are building a championship credibility that starts with the coaching staff. And I think that will ooze into the locker room and rub off on a lot of these players. I was wrong. It was way he was way before he was he came into the league around the same time, but he was uh he was in Pittsburgh after that. But still. That's a winning. That's another winning organization. I mean, exactly. I mean, Tomlin hasn't had a losing season ever. I think I was gonna say I don't think he's had a losing season ever. So I mean, bring, uh, keep keep bringing these guys in. Like and then, like with the Colts, I know when he played to end his career out, like a lot of the young guys like Malik Hooker and Quincy Wilson were like. There was the one stretch when Quincy Wilson actually played well was when Mike Mitchell was here. So. I mean, and he credited a lot of his his success to Mike Mitchell. So I think having him in the defense, like just look at the pedigrees of all these guys. That's all I was trying to say. It's yeah. just championship pedigrees, guys who are freaking winners and are all all in on winning. It starts with the coaching staff before it can start with the players. So yep, there's a commitment to winning from the top, and you can see it with the new quarterback and the players and Armani Watts and Rodney McLeod. I mean, these are winners. Yeah, we may, and I, I have to uh, remind myself of it too. Be a little patient with yeah. these free agent moves in the draft. I think it's going to pay off in the long run. Yep, I, I agree. And then they, they can still go sign Stephen Nelson, the guy I mentioned, or like um, I saw, I don't know how some people have suggested Joe Hayden's not the same player, which makes me like raise a little bit of concern in my head, but. Um, I think there's a couple others, Stephen Gilmore, or if I'm, it might be Stephen Gilmore, but uh, Gilmore from the, he used to play for the Patriots and played yeah, in Carolina yeah. last year. He's a free agent. So that could be like your Xavier Rhodes type signing late in his yeah. career. And even though Hayden may not be the player he once was, I still think he has what's left in the tank that he can 
give some solid quality starts for us well, at corner. Shoot, think we've been talking a lot about experience in the men, like the mentorship piece. He's ex- he was on the Browns, then he went. He experienced winning with the Steelers. I mean, think about the different experiences he has as a player. Absolutely, and the kind of value that could add to your team. I mean, the good, the good, the guy played for the worst franchise in the NFL to one of the most stable run franchises in the NFL. So there's like a there's a lot of experience there. So he'll be able to. When when guys were it was talks about the end of the year last year, where guys kind of like started to let their foot off the gas. Guys like that are like Rodney McLeod, Armani Watts, like those guys aren't going to let that happen. Absolutely not. They're going to push the narrative to never let off the gas, and they're going to make sure in the locker room that everyone's held accountable and they're like that everyone's all in on winning. I think that's where that quote kind of originated from for Jim Irsay. I think he was frustrated about the fact that. Guys that kind of let their foot off the gas and starts with starts at the top. And then, oh, I even forgot about this. Yannick Ngakwe, uh, <laughs> when he was with Jacksonville, guess what they did? Yeah. They went to the AFC Championship. Yeah. Like that's, that's the last time Jacksonville's done anything uh, freaking relevant besides beating us last year. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean it, it's going to be hard to do, but I, I like a prediction I heard. I think it was uh, Maurice Jones Drew. I mean, it'd be hard to see, but he is predicting Yannick to get 15 sacks I, I, with the Colts. Honestly, with the way he gets pressures, like look at Max Crosby with Yannick Ngakwe last year. Oh, yeah, I would absolutely. Not be, I would not be surprised if he had a big year for us this year. And with the defensive line we built, again, another thing you mentioned last podcast, who do you double team? You yeah. have to pick one. And everyone else is just going to be free. It's going to be Yannick. It's going to be DeForest. It's going to be either. And on some downs, it'll be Grover. And on passing downs, I think it'll be Dio. But so on passing downs, it'll have Yannick, DeForest, Dio. Oh, and then, then Quiddy Pay, yeah, that first round pick we drafted last year. He's pretty good. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I think that's a I, – I like looking at that. Oh, and I heard Nate Ollie the other day. I really like him. As a, as a defensive line coach, he said – Seat belts off. We're we're gonna we're gonna stop the run on our way to the quarterback. And I freaking love that. <laughs> like, I love the mentality that's coming into the the, uh, the coaching room with because the last staff was so they were good. They had some really positive moments, but the last staff was so concerned with containing the quarterback. Like you'd see all these guys can like the quarterbacks would just sit in the pocket and then they'd wait to kind of find the holes in our zone and then they miraculously pick up yards. Huh? Weird, weird concept. Um, yeah. Play, I, I think we played too. I don't want to use the word soft. We played like the zone preventative preventative. Yeah. The zone, the zone coverages were good. It's just the way we attacked on our defensive line. It was very conservative. It was very yeah. like, oh, let's wait and see what happens. To, like it was like very, I think the best example of that was ba- the Baltimore game. Yeah. That's what, that's yeah. what did it for me. Yeah, I was like, eh, I'm out. Great. I mean, great defensive coordinator to an extent. I just didn't think his de- – I don't think his defensive lines really, like, were that aggressive. And maybe they will be in uh, Chicago because I know they brought in a guy that has got Bradley influence. I mean, that's kind of ironic, right? But um, they brought in um, the Raiders linebacker coach, I think, to coach their defensive line. So there's – there's Gus Bradley influence in their defensive line. Right Absolutely. Now. So don't be surprised if they're like 
defensive lines are way more aggressive because yeah all kidding aside Eberflus, i think will do well in chicago oh yeah and oh yeah i'll, I'll go ahead and say this right now maybe a bit of a bold statement but right now april 10th the colts will be a top five defense this year top five man i can see it i really can see it i would love to see that but part of me is also like new defense there could be some changes maybe we kind of stick stick around where we are maybe take a little bit of a step back but i think the pass rush is going to be a lot better and i think that's the exciting part absolutely i think there's going to be a fire lit and these guys are going to go from game one. It's a great, it's going to be more aggression. I think, cause you've got these young, you got the players, these former players coming in as coaches. You've got um, John Fox, <laughs> Gus Bradley guys who are really well-respected in the, like in football circles, not that Matt Eberflus wasn't, but um, when you've got a super, when you've got, when you can back stuff up as a coach or as a leader, like when you can say, okay, I've been to the top. That's be it. people are going to listen a little more when they're getting yeah. the advice from the best of the best, honestly. So, yeah. Now, now, uh, before we go too long into why we think the Colts are going to be a heck of a lot better this year, um, I think we should probably talk about the Indiana Hoosiers. And I wanted to talk about uh, the news about Trace Jackson Davis declaring that he's going to enter the draft, but also maintain his eligibility. What do you think of that, Ian? It does hurt that he's decided to declare for the draft, but I do foresee him coming back to IU. I do too. I think he knows he needs to develop a little bit more. Yeah. And I think going through the draft combine process while also maintaining eligibility, it'll allow him to hear from the NBA scouts what they see that he needs to work and improve on and he'll use next year. I think his, I think next year is his senior year, maybe yeah. just his junior year. I think he'll use that year. Actually, I think I imp- saw, I thought I saw on uh peaks that he's listed as a junior because of COVID. Now I don't think he'll ever, I don't think he'll play two more years if he came back, but. That does make sense because I do think everyone gets a COVID year. That's why everybody's been talking about Race Thompson as well. But, I mean, back to my point, I think these NBA scouts will tell him what they see that he needs to improve on, and he'll use next year, which ultimately could be his final year, to improve on those and also take us even further than we did this year. It was a great first start with Mike Woodson, and I think – he was part of the foundation of that. And I think he wants to finish the job. I agree. I think, I think he's definitely coming back. I, I, I have great confidence in that. He got a uh, two days before his announcement, he got a six figure NIL deal. Now he could with a, like a non-for-profit with like Hoosier backgrounds, it's like Hoosier for it's something charitable, but he got a six figure deal to kind of promote them. Um, And so did race Thompson. So I think that trace is definitely coming back. I think he's going to be really, really good next year with 
if Xavier, if, if Xavier Johnson's back, which I think he will be, um, sounds like it was really just a speeding ticket, which not, not excusing that, not excusing the behavior, but, um, I think he'll be back like Yogi people, people don't talk about this, but Yogi Ferrell was arrested for having a fake ID. So I think, um, I think, it, I think considering the crime and, um, the fact that he, the resist, the, uh, resisting law enforcement charge looks kind of like questionable. Um, I think, I think Xavier's well, it, it, it's, re- it's resisting in vehicle. So it really just means he didn't stop for the officer, but, but it's, I don't know. Like- I don't know if that's it, but I know one of them was a felony and that's the part that does worry me a little bit. Yeah. I think ultimately if there's no jail time, I think he'll be back, but I feel like if there is some jail time that he ends up getting, oh yeah, yeah, no. hoping for the best that there's none. But I, if he does, I think that's when he'll be um, dropped. Unfortunately, yeah, I think what I read, like I think he's not in a position to go to jail or anything like that. So that's that's the positive news. I don't think there's going to be any like repercussions in that sense. But I do think Mike Woodson has to kind of think about like okay, this is Xavier's second time screwing up. You know, the Northwestern suspension was bad. I mean, they, those guys were out late. Who knows what they were doing at night? Nothing good happens after midnight. Like Exactly. So um, I think the player is definitely worth bringing back. The person, there's some, there's some, gray, there's some gray area there. Now, he has done some great things in the community. Um, I saw him go to elementary schools and read books to kids, and I've seen him be a leader on the court. And he's certainly a guy that gives IU that fire. That they, it, it's like IU went as Xavier Johnson went last year. Like I know people talk about Trace Jackson Davis a lot, but um, I think Xavier Johnson's kind of the big, the driving force behind their success. But to get back to the main point I was making. Um, I think with Trey, I think Trace with having uh, Xavier and Jalen Huchifino, those two guards who can you put them in pick and roll situations, and I think that can only mean good things for Trace. And, and also I've, with with CJ Gunn coming in, it in my mind will probably limit the amount of double teams Trace is going to get because that is a deadly three shooter that you were going to have to account for. And then hopefully. And, uh, not to bounce off, not to, uh, not to get like uh, off track here, but also Caleb Banks coming in. I think um, hopefully he can provide something. It sounds like he's a little more skilled than people are giving him credit for. And I'm really excited about him. Um, and then, yeah, I think you look in the portal for shooters, and I think that's going to help him a lot. And then I think race. The other thing that really excites me is if race comes back too. Like he's not going to go to the NBA. I think everyone knows that. But towards the end of the year, he started to make the three ball. Yeah, he, yeah. Uh, he was, I think, like nine for eighteen for a certain stretch or something like that. It was he was like shooting fifty percent from three over the last like like I think it was like eight or nine games. But um, he's a guy that okay, he starts knocking down the three as well. Like the floor is going to open up a little bit too. So you'll have him back with trace you'll have more guard you'll have better guard play 
I mean, that can only mean good things. Oh, and maybe I think uh, Parker Stewart's supposed to be gone. So maybe we'll have some guys who can come off a screen and hit a three, but (laughs) (laughs) I know I talk about that a lot, but Parker Stewart and Miller Cop were just spot up shooters, which is not good if you've got two dominant post players. <laughs> right. And they, 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 you've they got were, no movement from your guards. Everything's going to get stationary. So, and, and we're not saying that overall they were bad. No. Just, at the beginning of the season fits. and towards the start of games, they were solid. They were yeah. solid players for us. But it just comes down to when it mattered most, they just somewhat disappeared. The on the court fit was not great, like by any. By any stretch of imagination, like it just was really stagnant with Miller and Parker. Like they just were not great spot up or they were not great um, shooters coming off of movement. So I think they have to add, they have, in my opinion, they have to add someone who can shoot off of movement. Like um, Sasha Stefanovic for Purdue, not adding Sasha Stefanovic, right. but someone like St- Sasha Stefanovic from Purdue, like that kind of player that kind of opens up it opens up a lot when you've got shooters that can come off of movement. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And then uh, I know that uh, Gabe cups and Ja'Kai Newton, both our 2023 recruits um, were playing today at grand park and both played really well by all accounts. I'm really excited about those two going forward um, to kind of keep it moving. Uh, we had news with Purdue today. Um Oh, before I even get to that, IU football. We got to we, 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 How did I forget this? How did I forget this? We got to talk about uh, a, a celebrity of a, or no, a grandson of a celebrity. You didn't and want to touch you, on this you, one? You gave me to say son of a celebrity. So I tried to look it up. I couldn't find what star level recruit he is, but IU this week signed Declan McMahon, who's listed as a quarterback running back hybrid, which I'm going to be honest. I really like those kinds of players. And I think honestly, he's a guy that I think Tom Allen can use, but son of WWE superstar, Shane McMahon and grandson to chairman Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Like, (laughs) Being the WWE uh, fan, it excites me so much. And in general, the highlights I've watched of him, he's he may be a little undersized. I think he's six foot, a buck 95, but he's got some speed. Yeah. And if he gets into the open field, he can break to the end zone quick. Yeah. Um, What was I going to say? There was a picture. Oh, yeah. There was a picture of. uh, Shane, I think it was Shane McMahon, right? That's his dad, right? Yeah. Um, there was a picture of him in Bloomington like a week, like a week before he announced that everyone's like, What's Shane McMahon doing in huh. Bloomington, Indiana? Well, now we figured out, right? I mean, his son just committed to Indiana, so that's pretty cool. Um, that'll be really cool. And uh we're playing like someone on ESPN and just Shane McMahon's there, and <laughs> <laughs> the TV just pans over to them. Maybe they get a couple of interviews, you know. And you know, you know, the second he gets a touchdown, his teammates are gonna egg him on to copy Grandpa's walk. Yep, yep, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> I'm sure he's already doing it in high school. 
Yeah, I would assume so. And I mean, yeah. you never know. Maybe he wants to do his not own feed thing. into that, but I feel like he would have a fun time doing yeah. that. I mean, think of all the like for him, like think of all the NIL possibilities, right? Oh, like, absolutely. <laughs> that dude's gonna make some serious coin, like and maybe possibly some of the money that could come in from Vince. That'd be nice. Yeah, maybe to some other players. <laughs> maybe we could get like some WWE type NIL deals for uh, yeah, like Donovan McCauley or something like that. Oh yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I definitely wanted to touch on that. And then Purdue basketball, there was um, there was an announcement uh, that Isaiah Thompson made a transfer. Well, he's answered entered the transfer portal. Um, his top five was released of uh, Minnesota. Northern Kentucky, Florida Gulf Coast. I'm assuming the fourth is Loyola Marymount. And then the last one is uh, Grand Canyon. So he's he's got some interesting schools. I'll put it that way. Um, he's got some interesting schools on his list. And then I think Eric Hunter, I think Eric Hunter announced the other day he's going to the draft. Yes. And he's also maintaining yes, he eligibility, I think. Um, yeah, I think it was the exact same as Trace. I think he yeah. wants to test the draft waters, but still have the door open to be able to return to Purdue. Also, if we if we don't end up uh, if we need a third guard to replace, uh, well, not a third, he'd probably be like a backup. I'm guessing because Jalen's going to be a combo, in my opinion. Yeah. Hey, if you need a backup, maybe look at Eric Hunter. I mean, he the dude's pretty good. Uh, he's fast. I mean, can you imagine that? Because I know Purdue was on Rob Fennessy's transfer list. Not, yeah. Maybe not by him, but they're interested in him. Can you just that one for one swap? Yes. Quote unquote. Yeah. I mean, it'd Take be Eric. it'd be interesting. Yeah. Maybe IU takes Eric Hunter and Purdue gets Nigel Pack. That'd be pretty interesting, I think. Um, but yeah, then the Braden Smith. I I think this was after we recorded our last episode. I didn't mention it. Um, Braden Smith won Mr. Basketball. So that was congrats good to him. Um, and then they have uh, Nigel Pack coming in on a visit. Like I, I think I mentioned Nigel Pack, but I didn't really touch on that. Um, Nigel Pack, a hometown guy. I think he went to Lawrence, one of the Lawrence high schools. I want to say Lawrence Central, maybe. I'll double check that. Um, so I don't want to be wrong because there's multiple Lawrence high schools. But, yes. <laughs> um, he is a guy that can really score. He's a good shooter. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think he is going to be um, at Purdue. It's, it sounds like behind the scenes, it sounds like they've made like some real headway with him. And that he's going to come in and be their starting point guard next year. But obviously they've got Fletcher Lawyer coming in. And they've got um, Braden Smith coming in as well. So they've got some competition at the point guard position. I think they'll be a little bit better next year in that respect. But I think losing Jaden Ivey is going to be – that's going to be hard. That's going to be hard. You can't – top five five picks don't come off of shelves unless you're – a Kentucky or Duke. I think everyone knows that. So, um, yeah, it's it's definitely a hard guy to replace. But uh, to your point, Nigel Pack attended Lawrence Central. Okay, so I was right about that. Sweet. Yeah. I, I I had not done the research on that part to be completely honest with you all, but I'd figured uh, 
I figured because I, I didn't remember him going to Lawrence North. So, um, yeah, he's a Lawrence Central guy from Indianapolis. Um, I think he'd be a great addition to Purdue. I think absolutely. I think you get him next year and Edie. Who else? They got Trey Kaufman. He'll probably start playing next year. I'm guessing they'll have Mason Gillis. Um, thought Trey. I thought I saw Travion was done with college basketball. So he's yeah. Gone. I think Travion Williams is gone. But if if they get Nigel Pack, they're getting a good player. Yeah. He, just this season alone, just from field goal shot forty five and a half percent, but yeah. from three shot forty three point six percent. So right. he's shooting the exact same. He can hit the three, which if Stefanovic leaves for the draft, which I think is all but. Yeah, confirmed. I think he's. I think he's in either play. Uh, I think he graduated, so I think he's going right. to be. Um, I think he's either going to go um, to the NBA or international. That'd be my guess, but. Right, but this is a guy that can definitely fill his role in shooting the three. Yeah. And he's a point guard like Purdue last year. Or actually, I, I would go and say the last couple of years, not to knock on Eric Hunter, because Eric Hunter is a fine point guard, but he's not. He's sometimes he's in between. Sometimes he's a combo guard. Like right. that's the one thing with Eric Hunter, like he's not he's not a true point guard. I think Nigel Pack would give them a true point guard like they have not had that. I can't even remember the last time Purdue had a true point guard. I like, I, I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking back to like last several teams. I can't really think about it. Like it's not, there's not a name that comes to mind where I'm like, Oh yeah, that guy. Like, right. The only one I can maybe think of is Robbie Hummel. But the more I think about it, I think he was a forward. He was a forward. Uh, Raphael Davis was a guard. Uh, Chris Kramer was a, but these these are all like combo guards. Like I've never right. The more you think about it, it's like they haven't had a real point guard in a long time. And maybe that explains some of the tournament struggles they've seen lately. But uh, right. And I think that makes the difference for teams. I mean, everybody now is either a forward or a combo guard. So getting a pure guard yeah, is look at, uh, rare Harvey and Martin. it can put a team over the edge. Look at Remy Martin for Kansas. Yeah. Like that's a pure point guard. Like that, that's a kind of guy that gets you really far in the tournament. And unfortunately they didn't have anyone, honestly, that was competent enough to run, like be a pure point guard for Purdue last year next to Jaden. I, I mean, if they had that, I, th- I think they could have won, they could have won the whole thing, but it's really unfortunate that, you know, you think about it, it's like, maybe Matt Painter's kind of like, well, shoot, we kind of need to actually like get a guy who can run the show. Cause a lot of their offense is motion centric and it's not really like, it's not player dominant, so to speak. So having a true point guard is something they, they really need. And they've, I think they've really needed for a long time. And I think that's the kind of thing that will I mean, think about each one more combo. Guard. Oh yeah. I guess another name that just came to my head, Ryan Klein, shooting guard. Like, just go over the years. One thing you can't find with Purdue is a point guard. Why? <laughs> you know, that's a, it's a, it's a really good question that Purdue fans have to start asking is, 
well, why haven't we had a point? There's no one that comes to mind where you're like, great point guard. And that's a problem. And hopefully with Nigel Pack, they can fix that. Right. And I don't know if it would be scheme fit, but the game's adapting to where most offenses almost need a combo guard. But if you can find a pure guard and put the offense around him, it could just open up so many things. Oh, yeah. For you to do. I mean, you need someone like, okay, so Xavier Johnson for Indiana last year. Now, I know we weren't a great team. Like, no one, like, everyone knows that, that they were not a great team by any means. They weren't very talented at, at the wing or at the, even the two. Um, I mean, they're basically dominant, dominated by their post play and their point guard play, like by Xavier Johnson. Like, having one great point guard made all the difference. <laughs> that was the difference between them missing the tournament and making it. Like, yeah, absolutely. You need just one guy that can take charge, run the offense, make sure everything goes as it should, and just be the ultimate on-court general. Yeah. That's, that's basically what a pure guard is. He is yeah. the captain of the offense. Oh, and Carson Edwards, I just thought about him as well. He was a combo guard. He was not a pure point guard. Like, right. think of all the great combo guards Purdue's had over the last 20 years since Matt Painter's, Matt Painter's been there. I can't point to one great point guard. I, I literally can't, the more I think about it. And that's that's uh, that definitely could be a reason for their uh, postseason struggles. But hopefully, like I've said, hopefully they figure, they've figured out that Nigel Pack and like guys like Nigel Pack are important. And Braden Smith, who I think is a floor general, like you need these guys. They're not, they're not optional. <laughs> you have right. to go recruit these guys yeah. to win a championship. That's what you have to do. And I think I, I even saw um, someone say, like back in Braden Smith's freshman year, that some of those floor vision reminded them of Damon Bailey, who played for Indiana. So um, he could really be a good floor general for them. And Absolutely. that's the kind of player you need. The, the, you want to win championships or do you want to make the sweet 16? That's the difference. It's the point guard. It's a guards game. It always has been and always will be. If you don't have a great point guard, you're not going to win anything. That's just the way it is. Yeah. It's important to have that one guy that the offense can go through. Cause if not, I mean, offensive plays can just get messy and get messed up so easily. Yeah. But if you have that one guy, that knows what he's doing and can run the offense. Yeah, a playmaker. He can just find all the holes in defense and get the ball to the right person, not necessarily going for the easy play every time, but going for the efficient play. what the defense gives him. Absolutely. So with that being said, speaking of great point guard play, uh, Pacers – their last game is tomorrow, and I'm real like this season has not been fun. For if you're a Pacers fan, this season has not been fun. But there is some optimism. There is reason to be optimistic, and the one reason is Tyrese Alberton. Like Absolutely. we were just talking about point guard play. That that dude can flat out play the point guard position. That trade is looking really good for the Indiana. Excuse me, 
the Indiana Pacers, if I can speak today. Um, so having him and then Malcolm, I, I hope. So the, there are rumors that Malcolm Progdon is uh, on his way out potentially through trade. And I, I kind of like that. I, I know there's probably some Pacers fans that have mixed feelings on that, but I kind of, I, I think we kind of need a change. I think Malcolm Brogdon would thrive somewhere else. What do you think, Ian? Absolutely. Uh, I'm trying to look up so I can give credit to who tweeted this out, but it's seeming like, and it's coming from other teams. It's not coming from the Pacers internally, but it's yeah. seeming that we are willing to part ways with them. Um. I think it would be a good idea. Obviously, at the start when he got here, it was awesome. He yeah. was controlling the offense. With Victor, him and, I'm going to get sad about this, but with Victor, I, that, though, those two were so good together. Yeah, I think losing Victor definitely took a toll on him. Um, I'm struggling to f- – find who said it but it's seeming like other teams are almost being made aware that Malcolm Brogdon will be available for trade free free game yeah. which if we can get i believe he's good enough that we can get at least one first and possibly an end of the bench depth piece um i mean if we can get a first for Lavert, who I'd argue really didn't pan out the way yeah. we'd hoped. If we can get a yeah. first for him, then I think Brogdon, it's not out of the stretch of imagination that we can get a first for him as well as a player. And that's something that would be awesome for us. And it yeah. three firsts. I mean, I know a lot of people aren't into the rebuild, but if we're being honest as Pacers fans, this is something that's needed to happen for a long time. I mean, you look at some of these teams that were never usually good, the Bucks, the Suns, they had one or a couple down years and look at them now, they're contenders. I'm not saying right away the Pacers are going to be a contender, but it puts us in that right direction yeah, that we need to, to go. Kind of bounce, to kind of bounce off your point, think about Phoenix, right? That That's a team that struggled for several years, you know, and then they, they got Devin Booker. Then they got DeAndre Ayton. Then they got um, his brother just played the national championship game um, for North Carolina. I can't think of his name. Cameron Johnson. Yeah. Then they got Michael Bridges. Like they drafted and they got players and then they're like, okay, Chris Paul, do you want to come on, come on board? And they win the championship. Like you need that. You need to draft young players with talent, especially if you're a small market, because let's face it, they're not going to come to Indy. They just aren't. They've always traditionally gone to New York, LA, Miami. So in free agency, that avenue of pursuing talent is basically just thrown out the window. You can kind of count on maybe getting a role player too in free agency, but you can't really count on, okay, this is the big free agent signing. Like our big free agent signing over the last 
I'd argue the last 20 years was Malcolm Brogdon. He was our biggest. And then the second biggest was David West. Now, David West turned out great for us. Absolutely. But Malcolm Brogdon was like good at the start. And then it was like, eh, not so great. So absolutely. And I, and I found the tweet here. It was from Mark Stein. And the quote was, sources say that the Pacers have also left numerous rival teams with the impression that they will be trying to move Malcolm Brogdon this offseason. Yeah, I mean, and then I, I want to talk about the Memphis Grizzlies too, another team that struggled with small market, just like in the Indianapolis, um, drafted John Morant <laughs> with their second pick. Then they got Dylan Brooks. Drafted him in the second round, I believe. Then they got Desmond Bain. Then they got Jaron Jackson. <laughs> like it, it all comes through. It all comes through the drafts for most of these small market teams. That's how they have to build. And you can't. I know the Simons would probably like to ignore that because they they don't they they've come out and said it before that they really don't believe in rebuilding. But you have to it's it's inevitable you can't you can't avoid it absolutely and i mean you have to go in with the knowledge that it's not going to make you a contender right away but it does point you in the right direction right. that I mean, go ahead i'm looking at the pacers roster because yeah to... it, it it points you in the right direction that's going to help you be at least at the very least more competitive than you have been right and I wasn't saying like, oh, look at the Pacers roster because I didn't like know the Pacers right. roster. But I wanted to point out that, um, you know, we've got Tyrese Halberton. We've got Chris, Chris Duarte, who's been really good for us. I wish we could bring back Jalen Smith, but it sounds like um, there's like a, co- a weird contract restriction. Hmm. I, I don't think Phoenix want to get fleeced again by us. With <laughs> If you remember the TJ Warren trade, which oh went back pretty well. Um, he just hasn't been healthy, but um, – I mean, Jalen Smith, I think is like there's a restriction on his contract that only lets us offer him a maximum of like two years, like four and a half million. I'm pretty sure. And someone may want to fact check me on that. But um, I mean, you've got a couple pieces that are young. You also have Miles Turner, who's still pretty young. He's a veteran, but he's young. So you've got some pieces to build around if you're Kevin Pritchard. And Rick Carlisle, you've got – okay, so you've got the fifth best odds, I think you said. Um, Ian, right? I think we were talking about the draft odds. And um, Right now we're – I don't want – the fifth lowest. So it, if it was in NFL terms, we would have the fifth overall pick. But, I mean, the lower you are, at least the way I understand so the, fifth the draft odds lottery. To get the, the fifth best odds to get the number one pick. That's the way you right. look at it. So – there isn't like I, I there think there's like a there's probably some probability calculator out there, but there's a good chance the Pacers will end up with with a top five pick, at least. I would say at least one. Right. So, and I, I found what you were talking about with Jalen Smith. And yeah. this comes from a writer for the indie star, James Boyd. And it says uh, after an underwhelming start to his career in Phoenix, Smith's third-year option on his rookie deal worth $4.7 million, was declined by the Suns. Indiana could re-sign Smith over the summer, but since the Pacers traded for him, 
we would only be able to offer him that original 4.7 million. So that means if he keeps shining, a team can offer more and probably take him from us. But (laughs) I mean, who knows? Maybe he likes how he fits with this team and maybe he's willing to take that lower contract just for one year. I mean, I know it's not usually how it goes in the NBA, but yeah, it would be very excited, exciting, and I would be very happy if we are somehow able to keep Jalen Smith. Yeah, and then think about it again. We were just talking about Phoenix in the draft, right? They drafted Jalen Smith. <laughs> like, yeah. You can also trade the guys you draft, too. Like, it's not like, oh, we're stuck with Chris Duarte. Like, oh, we're stuck with Miles Turner. Oh, you know. We can, I'm fine with saying stuck with Duarte. That's fine yeah, with me. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, cool. I'm cool with that. He's a good shooter. I like him. He's a good player. Um, I think what the Pacers need to do is if they end up with, like, the fifth pick in the draft, package like Brogdon. Maybe, maybe this is too much, but package like Brogdon and Turner and the fifth pick and go get the number one pick. I see what you're saying. I feel like unless we unless we end up with the top three pick, I'm not complaining. I, I would just keep it. I would be like, okay, we're either gonna get like Jaden Ivey, uh, Paul Bancaro, or we're gonna get uh, Jabari Smith. Like that's okay with me. Like, well, I think pick- like this would be solid too. And being fans of the Big Ten, we've seen this guy. But if like in the NFL, if it goes the way these players are ranked at number five, it's Keegan Murray. Now that's a, that's a solid draft pick. That would be with, uh, with another first round, first round pick. And later. he kind of played really well in Gamebridge Fieldhouse when he was here for the big 10 tournament. So absolutely. Maybe he gets comfortable shooting the ball again and that, 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 that works out. Okay. But um, I mean, he's great options. I mean, Shoot, you could have uh, Keegan Murray as your power forward with Miles Turner. That's pr- talk about stretching the floor. Like those dudes can shoot. Absolutely, they're athletic. They defend. They work hard. I, I like that a lot. And then my also- only thing is, is if we do get the number one overall pick, I just want to put it out there. Please, please don't draft Chet Holmgren. Yeah, yeah, don't do that. That 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 would that would devastate <laughs> me. I I honestly that would be that would be close to the end of me for like as a Pacers fan. Like that would be close to the end of me being a Pacers fan. Like that would be terrible. Just I wouldn't lose that. my fandom, but I I would be questioning a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, I think I would be too. I wouldn't, I don't think I'd ultimately quit being a Pacers fan, but yeah, that would be something where I'm like, someone's got to answer some questions about this, or he better end up really, really good. Like, that's the way I hit that. the gym. Yeah, hit the gym. <laughs> <laughs> go, go, uh, go, 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 bench, go, go hit the bench right now. Like, that, yeah, dude, uh, that do need. I don't know if his body can support adding more like muscle to his frame, you know, but. He needs to find a way. If, if he does it the right way, I think he can. He probably can, but man, I, I yeah, I'm with you there. Don't don't draft him. Please don't draft him. Yeah. That's the most. 
that would be the most Pacers thing to do if we, is if we got the number one pick and we drafted him. But uh, my anxiety level on draft day, <laughs> if we had the number one overall pick, <laughs> of not wanting to hear Chet Holmgren. <laughs> Anybody, but it'd be it'd be at the point where it's like anybody but Chet Holmgren. Yes, <laughs> we'll take anybody else. Jay Nivey, Paul Van Carroll, Jabari Smith, just someone, someone else, not, so just not Chet Holmgren. Like someone else, please take him. <laughs> yeah, and from what I've seen, like any Pacers fan listening to this, they're gonna be in full agreement with us there. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think there's gonna be a single Pacers fan where's like, yeah, we want Chet Holmgren. Like. After our history of our history of drafting, like let's be honest, slow white guys, like I don't know, I don't know. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Um, yeah, like with Chet Holmgren, that's like I don't know, I don't know. Plus, like, I I I honestly just wouldn't really see where he fits. I mean, we've got Turner at center. I didn't really You're making the see case. too much shooting. That's exactly why the Pacers do not need to draft Chad Holmgren. Just don't right. do that. <laughs> I, I honestly Erase think it that, from your head. He does not fit. <laughs> don't try yeah. to make him fit. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly think we will be going for a guard or a forward. I, I think that is our biggest need. I mean, uh, when I watch Paul Vaccaro Duke, he kind of he kind of gives me like a Paul, not that I'm a big Paul George fan. But the player kind of gives me that Paul George vibe a little bit. I get that from him. And then I can uh, see that. And then when I was watching, uh, I know we were talking about Keegan Murray earlier. Like, um, I remember watching him over the Big Ten turn. I'm like, he looks exactly like Danny Granger. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Go back and watch Danny Granger in college and then go watch Keegan Murray. Oh, my God. It's like a, um, it's like a, it's like a mirror, like, being held up to your, like, you know, as he looks like a, and especially the fact that it's being done in Gamebridge Fieldhouse where yeah. Granger had so many great moments for us. Yeah. And unfortunately, injuries just derailed his freaking career. I actually went to his basketball camps as a kid and he was a great, he was a great dude. Like, he loved Indianapolis. Man, it just, it was really unfortunate how his career ended up. Yeah. Playing out, but. Yeah, man, this is this is all really exciting stuff for the Pacers. And I think they have a second first-round pick as well, hopefully. If Cleveland, I've heard uh, if Cleveland makes the playoffs, they have the put they have the pick. But I think it's just as long as they make the play-in tournament. Yeah, yeah, that that. So if they make the play-in tournament, then we have the pick. But if not, if they if they don't make the play-in. <laughs> then I think we get the lottery protected first round pick next year. Hey, there so. we go. I'm in the standings right now. They've, they clinched a play in berth. So we have the second first round pick. I did not know that. We should, play. if, if we're understanding it correctly, we should have two first round picks this season. There was a, there, there was a guy that came to mind, like with the second first round pick from Kansas. Duh. That's why I think thought of it. Yeah. Um, David McCormick. Oh my gosh. Oh. Draft him. Draft him with uh I and then you have I I even forgot about him. How did I forget about him? Isaiah Jackson's on our team too. He's played really well as a rookie. Um I mean you've got really good athletic bigs. If you're like Kevin Pritchard right now, go add David McCormick to that room. Like that dude can play. He's uh I watched him in the tournament and I watched him throughout the year. Like he finishes well around the basket. He's a big guy. 
runs hard, plays hard. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'd be all over that too. If I was Kevin Pritchard, I'd look to, I'd look to maybe move Miles Turner if that's the case, and get you a true center because I feel like Miles Turner sometimes is, he, he wants to be more of a power forward than a center. It'd be right. nice to have a guy who can, and I think that's why they kept Sabonis for so long. Um, it'd be nice to have a guy who's a true center, like just play like, like runs the floor hard, and plays in the post, like rolls to the basket instead of popping out or, you know, just there's, it'd be really nice to have someone who's more of a true center on the team. Right. And to that point, like, I don't, to that point, I don't think we get rid of Turner, but I mean, I can realistically see if we draft a guy like McCormick, he can be our center and miles can be the power forward. Yeah, I think Miles would be tremendous as a plow, power forward, and I mean, I I, I don't want to officially say two first round picks because it's not confirmed yet. But I mean, two first round picks, knock on word, would yeah, you can't mess this up, like right. virtually impossible to mess this draft up. And another guy that would make sense too. I know he was just in the tournament. So um, Mark Williams of Duke along the same line. Oh, yeah, yeah. The big dude for Duke. Like he's seven – I think he's seven foot and like 250 pounds. Like there's another guy like going along that true center line. Like that would be really nice to have. It's a similar skill set. I mean, when you look at those two. And then – I don't know how to pronounce his name, so I'm probably going to butcher it. But um, o- Ochi Agbaji, I think is how you pronounce his name, the, the guard from Kansas. He's really good, too. Number 30. Um, he's a really good shooter. He um, can score. Like, I, I think I watch him in the tournament. Like I'm like – that's a guy you could slide in right now, and he's probably playing like 25 minutes in an NBA game. Like, right. I, I think his skill set translates really well. And also, like, his story of how he was like a two star recruit coming into Kansas and he worked for everything. I think that just kind of fits the Pacers. Seven, oh, yeah. Going back to the blue collar gold swagger era, like, we had players who would work hard, like, work really, really hard to, um, maximize their potential not not like not like guys who are like blue chip prospects like Paulo Bancaro like those right. guys would be really good players for us but I think as a team and as a city I think like the identity's always been like guys who work their tails off to there's be there's something there's something different about the drive guys like that have yeah I think that'd be really really valuable and then another guy that could make sense now, I don't know if he'll make it to there or not. He might be a little lower than what I'm thinking, but uh, Malachi Branham from Ohio State could be another name. He's the I don't know if you saw him play last year against Indiana, but he's um, he's a guard, and he uh, he actually had Jimmy Jackson. Jimmy Jackson had his number retired at Ohio State, and Malachi Branham's from. Uh, the Ohio area. He actually, I think he went to the same high school as LeBron James and Jimmy Jackson oh, okay. gave up his 
retired number at Ohio State for Malachi Branham. So Oof. that is like if you know Ohio State, a little bit about Ohio State basketball, Jimmy Jackson's a big deal for them. Yeah. Um, so giving up that number kind of tells you a lot about the kind of player he is, the kind of person. Yeah, you're not going to give up your retired number to some run-of-the-mill player. You're right. giving it up to somebody that's going to be solid. And, like, he averaged – I think at Ohio State – I might be wrong about this, but I think he averaged, like – he had a slower start to his freshman year, if I remember correctly, but he ended up averaging, like, 15 or 16 points per game as a freshman. So, like, there's another guy, like, imagine you have um, – Oh gosh, I didn't even think about this. So, like, let's say you take a forward in the draft, like a um, Jabari Smith or like a Paulo Bancaro. Then you have a starting lineup of Halliburton, Duarte, and uh, or Halliburton, Branham, Duarte, uh, Bancaro, or Smith, and then Turner. You know, that could be a really good possible starting lineup right there. Yeah, that'd be a solid lineup. Yeah, uh, Branham, just in one year so far at Ohio State. I say so far, I don't, has he declared for the draft? Yeah, yeah, yes. Okay. So in one year at Ohio State, I mean, three point, he's shooting 41.6%. Field goal, He's almost shooting 50%. If you want to round up, it's 50% that he's shooting from yeah. field goal. So he's an efficient scorer. And then you add in the upside with him. I think he's a pretty long uh, athletic player from what I watched. Six foot five. Yeah, that's perfect. Put him next to Halliburton, and that's a really good fit. And yeah, then, that'd be a lot of fun. And then you add in one of those forwards with one of your top picks, Keegan Murray or – and Carol or Smith, and that I think that just be great. But yeah, with, uh, with all that being said, um, we covered a lot today with uh, the Colts, the Hoosiers. We even covered some football for the Hoosiers. How about that? <laughs> and then Purdue, I even forgot to mention this. They had their spring game today. So I heard good things out of that um, from that regard. It sounds like everything went there. Some uh, there was a lot of excitement around that and uh, we covered Pacers with their last game being today when we're recording this on Sunday um, against Brooklyn and then it's the draft it's draft time for them so we talked about um, you know potential guys that could draft at the top and then um, potential guys that could draft for the second first round pick and then one thing I want to touch on really quickly before we call it a night or call it, you know, the end of indie sports now for today is if we get a third first round pick, like we were talking about from Malcolm Brogdon, man, if you like, I don't know how high the pick would be, but think about the players in this draft. You had one of those guys with Branham or one of those forwards. And then you have Halliburton and Duarte and Isaiah Jackson, Miles Turner you can quickly become a playoff team. Absolutely. In the first round of this draft, I mean, if you have three picks, even if you have two picks, this first round is going to be loaded. Yeah, it's loaded. Like, 
top to bottom, it's one of the more loaded drafts in, I think, recent history, to be completely honest with you. Absolutely. I think every single team that drafts in the first round is going to improve severely. Yeah. So, that being said, this is our second episode of Indie Sports Now. Hopefully, fingers crossed, Mason will be at, will be back with us next week. He's battling right now with the he's got some sort of illness right now, so um, he'll be back with us next week, I think. And I think we're going to talk more about the draft, and hopefully, we'll have some transfer portal news, perhaps with the uh, IU. Hopefully, and maybe maybe even some more uh, Colts free agency signings, signings with the Colts. Yeah, yeah. I think as we uh, ramp up towards the draft, um, I think that's going to accelerate big time with the free agent signings they're going to make. So, that being said, this was another episode of Indie Sports Now. Thank you for listening. We hope we uh, tune in next week. Thank you for listening to Indie Sports Now with Zach Shankerman, Mason Roach, and Ian Kennedy. For more Indie Sports Now content, please follow us on Twitter at Indie Sports Now. And follow or subscribe to us wherever you listen to our podcast.